Welcome to the Field Advice Podcast from Valent USA, where we share technical know-how and updates directly from the field, fueled by technology and hands-on experience. Rhizoctonia is a nearly universal problem for sugar beet producers and can cause sizable yield losses and lower recoverable sugar. In today's episode, Jill Calabro, Product Manager for Fungicides, and Trevor Dale, Territory Account Manager, discuss new resources and tools for managing Rhizoctonia root and crown rot for growers battling these pests. Well, hello, and welcome to the Valent USA Field Advice Podcast. We are here to talk about a disease on sugar beets, specifically Rhizoctonia root and crown rot. Now, Rhizoctonia is one of the most severe soil-borne diseases of sugar beet. It's a universal problem for sugar beet growers, but especially problematic for the growers who are located in the upper Midwest, places like Minnesota, North Dakota. It can be problematic in the West as well, like in Idaho and parts of Oregon, but it seems to be more of an issue in the Midwest. Now, it's not uncommon in some years to see as much as 30 to 60% yield loss from Rhizoctonia. And at those levels, growers can run the risk of being required to destroy their entire field. Nobody wants that. Um, now here at Valent, we've kept a, a keen eye on development of new resources for managing Rhizoctonia root and crown rot in general. Um, Rhizoctonia is a disease that has worldwide impact. It is ubiquitous in the soil. It's everywhere. And its host range is so broad. Um, but it is a big problem with the sugar beet production as well. But in Valent, we recognize that the negative impact in, on yield and returns that growers face from Rhizoctonia really need some help. So last year, we released a new fungicide, Excalia, that has really good efficacy against Rhizoc and just happens to have a really nice fit in sugar beet production. But I think I'm probably getting ahead of myself a little bit. Um, we'll get more into that in a few minutes. I think it's probably best to take a step back and do a couple of introductions. Um, first, myself. Um, my name is Jill Calabro. I am the product development manager for fungicides with Valent USA. And just to let you know, I am based in Maryland, where there is definitely not much in the way of sugar beet production. But luckily, we have Trevor Dale with us, who is in the heart of the major sugar beet production area and works really closely with growers. So Trevor, what can you tell us about you and your role in Valent? Uh, sure. I'm Trevor Dale. I work for Valent USA, um, Territory Account Manager in southern Minnesota, uh, which happens to have significant sugar beet acreage. And actually, in the previous years of different things I've done over my lifetime, I guess, education and work. I've been in Michigan and Ontario as well, where there's uh, a lot of sugar beets. So uh, yeah, spent a lot of time in the Dakotas, Minnesota and Michigan, major sugar beet producing areas. And I would add, uh, you mentioned a problem with Rhizoctonia in Minnesota and North Dakota. Um, it's also pretty severe in Michigan as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> I mean, yep. you you know, you have so much great experience with sugar beet production. Um, have you seen a lot in terms of the the impact of Rhizoctonia? Oh yeah, um, it's something that's uh, on top of mind of the sugar sugar beet co ops and uh, agriculturalists, the universities. There's a, a number of different pathogens that affect sugar beets, but when you look at the samples that are sent into the diagnostic labs, Rhizoctonia is is greater 
than all of the other pathogens combined. So it, it's a very severe disease. And in the past, oh, I don't know, uh, five, six years or something, there's been a major push by the seed companies to develop resistant or more tolerant varieties to Cercospora, another pathogen. So they've got Cercospora resistant or CR plus varieties because what that's a very devastating disease as well. And then they're also facing major fungicide resistance issues with that. So there's been a push to develop resistance or tolerance within the beets to Cercospora, but that's kind of left Rhizoctonia behind. And so it's becoming more and more of a problem than even it was before. Yeah, that's really interesting. You mentioned the the part about, you know, breeding for Cercospora resistance and and that focus. And, you know, there have been a, a lot of changes, I think, over the last many years, decades in sugar beet product production. You know, I, I was just reviewing some of the, the latest census of agriculture, USDA census of agriculture, which was released in 2019. One of the things I guess that it really pressed upon me that I don't think a lot of people realize is that sugar beets are such an important crop to the U.S. Uh, the, the U.S. is actually one of the biggest sugar producers worldwide. And, and you know, about 55, as much as 60% of that comes from sugar beets. And part of that, and I, and I guess I, I was thinking about that in, in relation to this discussion and, and specifically with those breeding efforts and, and how those changes have impacted the development of Rhizoctonia over time. You know, when you look at the numbers from that census of ag and you compare the amount of acreage and, and the number of farms and how sugar beet production has changed over time, it's it's kind of fascinating. From 1997 to 2017, so just a period of 20 years, the, the number of farms decreased by about 50%. It went down from about 7,000 in 1997, down to about 3,500 in 2017. And so, you know, in my mind, of course, farm size is definitely part of that equation. But then when you look at the um, acreage, it has declined well as well. It has went from about 1.5 million acres and again, 97, down to about 1.2 million in uh, 2017, which would be about a 20% difference roughly. And but then when you look at the yield, the yield has increased yeah. over that time, about 22%. You know, it went up from about 29 million tons up to over 35, 35 and a half million tons at the latest report. And and I, I think so much of that comes from the breeding efforts, right? But, you know, as a consequence, and you you see it so much, when you breed for certain pest issues and certain things, of course, another pest, pest issue emerges and rises to take the place so that unfortunately we never end up with a perfect crop. <laughs> yeah, they, you know, they're they breeding for Cercospora resistance and you can't get everything at once. So other things start to fall out. And so while they've gotten more resistant to Cercospora, they've gotten less resistant to Rhizoctonia at the same time. Yeah. And, and, and the yields have really taken off. And um, I mean, sugar beets are just so important where they're growing. Like in the, uh, like you say, not only just in the regions, but also for the whole country. But it, it's it's co-ops. So the the growers own, their, own the company. And 
it, it has such a great impact on those regions where they are growing hundreds of millions of dollars annually. And then when you look at something like Rhizoctonia, that can come in and, you know, with the estimates of anywhere from 30 to 60% of a field can be impacted. You know, I think what struck me is that the phrase was, it's not uncommon <laughs> to see that kind of damage. Um, is that something you see quite frequently in your travels? Well, yeah, for sure. I've had several uh, several farmers or growers tell me that it, it's a big di big disease, and oftentimes what they think about is reduced stand because rhizoctonia can affect the sugar sugar beet from very early on, <laughs> just emerging, to when they're put in piles and until they're processed. So oftentimes, uh, one of the biggest concerns that farmers have is getting a good uniform stand because it, it impacts everything throughout the rest of the season. And so when you have a pathogen taking out stand, then it makes everything else more difficult. You get larger beets, which are generally less sugar, and you get weed control problems. Um, it, it just goes on and on. So just Recently, Southern Minnesota Beet Sugar Co-op put out a, oh, I guess a newsletter or something on an email that was talking about Rhizoctonia, and they looked into last year the impact on sugar content, which, you know, that the yield is calculated by the tons per acre of the roots, but also there's a different percentage of how much sugar is in each ton. So both are very important. You don't want to have a really big crop with not much sugar in it. And so Southern Minnesota co-op looked at the, um, the impact of rhizoctonia on sugar content and even just very low levels of infection. They lost uh, almost a half a percent of sugar. So you might not think a half a percent, it doesn't sound like a lot, right? But if you talk uh, millions of tons, each co-op, you know, there's different sizes out there, but all of them would probably be in the millions of tons. You take a half a percent of that, it, it's a lot of sugar content. Yeah, so that has major impacts on the bottom line. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And, and they've shown that, you know, as Rhizoctonia... The, they've got scales for measuring it. As it increases, sugar content decreases. Oh, wow. That, that's very interesting. Now, you mentioned kind of when you started there, uh, something about low stand counts. Is that one of the first symptoms that they that is looked for yes. in the field? Yep. Yep. You'll see it early on. And it, it's all... It's driven by a lot of things, you know, the environment and rainfall and temperature and, of course, the background disease level in the soil. But, yeah, you could start to see early seedling damping off and th there's not much you can do after that. Is that kind of the first flag? Uh, yes. for a grower to really start digging in, literally digging in to see what else is happening with the root system. Getting a good uniform stand is is just so critical in sugar beets. And so they're out there 
the agriculturalists for the co-ops and the and the farmers and consultants monitoring that very regularly because they're susceptible to pathogens and then windy conditions can kill them and so they'll look for missing stand and oftentimes it if there is stand missing uh, where a plant emerged it's probably rhizoctonia you know, I always, I think of Rhizoctonia as one of the more stealthy kind of sneaky type of pathogens. It's just always in the soil. It's just always there. It'll hang out on organic matter, just kind of not doing anything, just surviving, just getting by. But then when the right conditions happen or when a sugar beet is present, for example, it just becomes pathogenic and it wreaks havoc and devastation. You know, it, it can attack any root stage. So I can only imagine how devastating that would be as a grower. You know, you get towards the end of the season and then you find all of this damage and, you know, cankers. And so it really would be so important to be scouting early on in the stages. Um, is it usual to find disease problems and signs later in the season too? Yes, it is. To answer your question, you can find the scarring on the roots. And like, like I say, they have, assuming the plant survived, they do have a scale system that they go by based on how much scarring there is on the uh, sugar beet roots themselves. So they, they will follow that, watch it. They do digs to look at the health of the roots throughout the season, not only for rhizoctonia, but for uh, other pests as well. Yeah, that makes sense. But we should probably talk a little bit about Excalia. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and you mentioned, you know, once you get to a, a stage with Rhizoctonia, there's really not much you can do about it. But in thinking about Excalia, this has been an interesting project. It's been a product that's been a lot of fun for me to work with. We know that it's been proven for control of southern stem rot and white mold on peanut, which is caused by another soil-borne pathogen. And also in some of that peanut work, we saw activity against rhizoctonia in peanut. Now, rhizoctonia in peanut is not as significant as a problem as rhizoctonia is on sugar beet, for example, but it can cause problems with, with limb rot. And that's another story for another day. But, you know, it kind of flagged us. This excalia is really effective against rhizoctonia. And then we started looking at it within sugar beet and found just a really good fit. What kinds of yeah. benefits are you seeing, I guess? Well, yeah. And uh, so on a prior role, I used to be on the technical development side. And so I actually worked on it early on. And so it's, it was fun for me, too, to see it come to fruition. Excalia is uh, just fantastic on Rhizoctonia. And so like you mentioned, Sugar beets, uh, a major production issue, rhizoctonia. It, it just has an excellent fit in, in sugar beets. And the other thing is there, there hasn't been much for development on rhizoctonia control in sugar beet. So growers have relied for years and years on different brands of, of zoxystrobin. So you could do a zoxystrobin in furrow or you can do it foliar or both, but they really just had the one option. So Excalia is kind of changing that. Uh, it's a different chemistry and very effective on rhizoctonia. 
uh, low use rate. It just has a lot of benefits in that crop. You know, and just that one application is so effective. I mean, it, it, it controls the rhizoctonia and, and the data show that. We have done a number of studies across Idaho, Minnesota, North Dakota, Michigan. I know you mentioned Michigan too. And the the data really show the details. Um, Excalia outperforms the standard azoxystrobin application. What was neat to me was to see how it increased the sugar content. And the trials, at least where the sugar content was measured, the sugar content was greatest within the Excalia treatment. I got to imagine that's got to be very impactful for a co-op and a grower. Oh yeah, it sure is. Sugar content is extremely critical. Uh, their their number one goal is not necessarily tons per acre of sugar beet. It's sucrose content within those beets. And Rhizoctonia uh, has a direct correlation with sugar content in, in beets. So as Rhizoctonia infection increases, sugar content decreases. Not always is the sugar content or sugar per acre increased statistically with Excalia, but it's almost always numerically the the top producing sugar per acre treatment. Yeah, I, I that's an excellent point to make. And the other benefit that we've seen too is the impact on Excalia treatments that happens post-harvest in the storage. Um, now, Rhizoctonia is not a direct post-harvest pathogen, but when you start with clean, healthier beets going into storage, they stay healthier. They're not as predisposed to other post-harvest pathogens that would, would cause problems and reduce the post-harvest life or the storage pile. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jill, as you mentioned, once the beets are harvested and put in piles uh, and stored for some time throughout the winter, uh, the the quality of the beet going into the pile, it, you know, if it's very good quality, low diseases, uh, they just store so much longer and better. Oftentimes throughout the winter, you'll see they, they monitor the temperatures of the piles because it's a living organism. And so... If they, they have problems at times and have to take out piles that they really didn't want to or that wasn't on schedule or portions of piles because it's starting to heat up and break down. So having the cleanest beets you can go into those piles is, is very critical. Yeah, and I just think it's really neat that just one application of Excalia can help improve that. That's so effective. Well, I think we've said it all. Um, or at least we've said enough to get the conversation started among sugar beet growers, I hope. Well, thank you, Trevor. Thank you so much for being here and sharing all of your great experiences. And thank you for listening to another episode of Valent USA's Field Advice Podcast. Please visit valent.com or talk to your retailer to learn more. Thank you, Jill. Thank you for joining Valent USA for the Field Advice Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more field advice, find new episodes wherever you get your podcasts and anytime at valent.com.